Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Well, hello and welcome to Empowered Conversations. Today's episode is really very dear to me. Um, I have, uh, I'm very honoured to have a guest that I um, have made contact in the past. I followed her work and we've had some wonderful conversations around her work with um, with women, particularly women in Kenya. Um, my speaker today is Linda Higdon. And if you, if you're in for, um, some inspiration, if you're in for some meaning and purpose in your life, if you're in, if you're so ready to make a difference, then, you know, you're so in the right place. This is the conversation to really help give you that, um, spur in your life to give you, um, to give you a window of opportunity of how you can do that. So please stay tuned. Now, let me share a little bit about Linda. Uh, Linda Higdon is an award-winning documentary filmmaker. She's a global champion for women and founder of Global Heart Journeys. Linda combines her 20 years of philanthropic activism into one-of-a-kind African luxury adventure for a woman's heart called Women's Journey to Kenya. In a deep cultural immersion into the lives of the women, travellers gain exclusive access to a Nobel Peace Prize nominee, elite leaders, colourful village women and take adventurous safaris. You can find out more about this at globalheartjourneys.net. Now we are in COVID, um, well the epidemic is still on as we're recording this conversation and so during COVID-19 because obviously travel has stopped, Linda is a director and producer of Feed Joy campaign on GoFundMe with a goal to feed 1,000 people in a remote valley in Kenya facing starvation because of the virus. I'll give you that, um, I'll give you the page for that but we'll share more uh, about that during our conversation. It's gofundme.com forward slash feedjoy. Now, one more thing I want to share with you before we dive into our conversation today with Linda is that Linda has helped launch Ripples International, a children's welfare operation in Kenya, and she founded this incredible global room for women, which is quite a cool, innovative digital platform where American women or in the past it's been American women, connect personally with women on the front lines of change in war-torn and developing nations. So Linda has really been, it's like she's this midpoint, she's the connector between women between the West and, you know, women in the West and women in Africa. And it's like she brings the two together and there's such cultural celebration and cultural immersion and this incredible growth and learning that happens from that. So, um, Linda, welcome. Thank you. I think you've said it all. I can go now. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I think we've just scratched the surface. (laughs) I mean, you've inspired me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, look, Linda, you know, as I mentioned, we've had some conversations about this in the past, about the work that you do, Um. And let's unpack that a little bit. I really want to know how you started, how you started what you do. How is it that, you know, you've come to, you've come to start Global Heart Journeys? 
Yes. You know, I'm really, really glad that we're starting there. Uh, just like I know in our conversations, I want to know how did you start doing what you're doing? Uh, because I think it's, um, I think as women, we sometimes don't realize that it's just will. I mean, you say yes to each next step uh, and trust that, and then it just leads you to the next. So, Concretely, this is what happened. So about 20 years ago, I was at a crossroads and I had had a beautiful, thriving career. I was actually at the height of my career as a classical pianist. And I hit this spot in my life, which felt like I was very restless inside. And the question kept coming forward, is this it? Um, kind of a, is this all there is? I felt really uncertain. I felt very adrift. I didn't want to admit that, but I did inside. And I also knew that I did not have a blueprint for what it was that I wanted to move into. And so I, at that time, it was actually during a pandemic. So I quit my career during a pandemic. And I bring that up because of where we are now, 20 years later from when I actually started this path. Um, and what happened is there were three things that I knew inside. Number one, I absolutely could trust my creativity because I had been in music, I had been an artist, a photographer, and I knew that the creative um, part of me could be trusted. Secondly, uh, I knew that I had the answers within myself. And thirdly, I absolutely knew that, um, uh, that the answers that were in there could actually guide me. So I just decided I want to visit Africa. I don't know anything about it. Um, I found an opportunity to go to Kenya. I took it. And then when I arrived in Kenya, I knew nobody. Hmm. Um, and at that time, I met an activist she and I got along so well. We became lifelong friends almost immediately. And here I was, a classical pianist, finding her answers in Africa, first trip ever there. And um, I worked with this woman because I enjoyed um, just her African nature, her spirituality, her groundedness, her sense of optimism against all odds. And... We just had a really good friendship that started. Well, that friendship led to, um, now fast forward to where we are today. She um, actually, she and I launched a children's welfare operation that now reaches 12, 13,000 children. Let me be clear. I helped her launch it. She did all the work. Um, and I, I brought connections and resources and ideas, especially in the beginning, and so for 20 years, I've been working not only with her, but so many amazing women on the ground in Kenya. Um, one woman is a legislator. She was, she's, just been, uh, she's just been nominated to be a speaker of the house of her, uh, of her county. Yeah. Um, I've been working with a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. I have worked with a woman who, um, whose mother has lived in the tea fields all of her life. I've worked with a woman to help her keep a school open in a rural village. So after all of this incredible transformation, I kind of had one foot in Kenya, one foot in the United States, kind of a schizoid existence. 
I finally decided to open up my network to allow others to enjoy the same life-changing experiences I have had by knowing these women. And that was about six years ago when I launched Women's Journey to Kenya. So it is um, a very deep cultural immersion. We stay at premier hotels, but we go right into the lives of these women that I've been working with. Also into the villages with the colorful village women. We go into tribal areas. We meet the Samburu. Uh, we spend an afternoon with the Samburu women, which is an ancient tribe. And of course we do other things. We go on safaris. We stay at beautiful premier hotels that are very, very safe. And, um, and, and of course, want safaris, like I said, and, and see all the great, magnificent wildlife. Uh, but it is quite unusual and the first of its kind. Um, I think this is why it, it um, caught the attention of Forbes, USA Today, and even National Geographic. Um, because of this absolute focus that you spend a lot of time in one place, and really into the different dimensions of the women of that country. Now, on certain occasions, we have to have translators. Um, and then on other occasions, you know, like in Kenya, they speak English uh, fluently because the educational system is in English. But the trip is really um, born out of um, my own lived experience, having been and lived uh, with these women for so long. So that's what we're up to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and when you take the women, I mean, my understanding is that it's, you know, it's a 15, 16 day experience. It is. It's very, uh, I would say it's intense. Uh-huh. It is life changing. Um, I try to balance it with, you know, okay, let's be honest. I mean, you want to go to see what the uh, the crafts are and the handmade crafts and the indigenous crafts are of the people. So we go into some of these really lively marketplaces. The food is delicious because the hotels where we're staying is really intended for international guests. However, when we spend eight days in central Kenya, this is a sprawling rural area on the slopes of Mount Kenya, which is the second highest peak in Africa. In that area, we're in remote Kenya, but there is one lovely, beautiful boutique hotel. And so they're able to cater to um, our palate, plus we get the traditional foods. So it's, it's both. Um, and I just knew that if it's the first time that you're having this experience as a traveler in this kind of uh, a setting, that you really do, you're processing a lot so you need at the end of the day to actually breathe, mm-hmm. have your nice hotel room, um, and balance it with um, the intense experience of singing and dancing and eating a traditional food, traditional lunch out in the village, out in the wild with the women who are serving you their delectable hand-grown vegetables on an open fire where we're singing and dancing all day and... Um, maybe we're even grinding seeds on um, the pestles that they use. So, I mean, you've got to have the balance because um, 
uh, otherwise 16 days without that balance can be pretty tiring. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I could imagine yeah. that. I mean, I I'm certainly would appreciate that bit of downtime, as you say, to process, to reflect, to integrate. Now, with all that processing and integrating that you've done over so many years, how many years have you been doing this now for? Um, well, I started working with the Kenyan women 20 years ago. Wow. So, yeah, uh, you really, your heart's there, right? As you totally. say, <laughs> one foot's in the totally. States, the other foot is in Kenya. Now, Linda, what I want to know is, you know, there's so much that we can, there's so much that you've learned from these women. There's so much that you've embodied. Uh, there's so much that we can receive from from your journey. So tell me about that. Tell me what has been the transformation for you being around these women. You know, I have to say, you know, this is my own inner life and my own personal journey. So I'm not saying this has to be true for anybody else. Mm. I noticed initially, of course, I come as an American woman during the AIDS pandemic. What can I do to help? And of course it was, it's quite devastating, just like the devastation we're feeling all across the globe because of COVID. Um, there it was, Sub-Saharan Africa was really hit hard. Um, and so, of course, you want to help, you want to do, you want to assist. And I did. I did a lot of work uh, in partnership with my Kenyan sisters, such as um, bringing Uh, Let me put the connections together. Um, There's a wonderful organization, a former UN envoy for AIDS in Africa. His name is Stephen Lewis. Well, we met my friend Mercy from Kenya was in the United States. And we were at a conference in D.C. And I made sure that Stephen Lewis, this envoy for AIDS in Africa, met Mercy. When they met, Mercy went back and she was able to take that connection And Stephen Lewis has been a steadfast, loyal supporter and funder of her work. So it gave her the stamp of approval, an international stamp of approval, that she could really take her organization to unthinkable levels. Um, For me, that was very gratifying. However, inside what was happening is I would come back to the States and kept wishing I was back in Kenya. And it shocked me and surprised me. Privilege, you know, we're talking about so much privilege now. Who's privileged, who's not, and so forth. But inside, it surprised me. I wanted to have the kind of sisterhood that I was experiencing when I saw the Kenyan women supporting each other. Mm. How they come together, you know, uh, for any reason and for all reasons. At the time of the birth of a baby, at the time that they lose a loved one, at the time that a woman rises to buy her own home, they come and celebrate, at the time that their children graduate. I mean, they're constantly coming together. Um, And I'm talking about, like, not just a few women, a lot of women. Um, So when there's a wedding, hundreds show up, right? And... Let me, I know that we do that here in the West, but not to the extent where you know that whatever happens, you have your back is being supported by your sisters in your community. For sure, you can rely on that. Um, 
I have two friends, both who went through extreme losses. One lost her husband. One lost a son, a young son, in an accident. And they used to schedule cry dates where they would just regularly at a certain time get together and just feel this unconditional love and acceptance and just cry. And it was part of their healing process. I come back to the States and wish that I had something similar to that. And it's more than professional connections, right? It's more than networking. It's this deep, soulful note and you are never alone. Then something else was happening. <clears throat> their, I would say the DNA of their African spirituality kept coming through and how they were with me in the grace and the acceptance in the listening. We talk about being present. I am telling you, these women look you straight in the eye. They hear you mm-hmm. and they absorb it and respond. And you know that you've been in the presence of another human being who's been present with you. And so what was happening after each trip, and I think I've probably taken over the 20 years, maybe 30 trips to Kenya. I realized that I was being transformed by them and by that culture. The closer that I got to being with the village women and women that live, still live, close to nature, on the ground, who I I would say still hold a lot of indigenous uh, wisdom. For example, I am friends with a lot of tea farmers and uh, these women are still going out into the fields and picking the aloe vera and picking the rosemary for arthritis, for flu, for colds. One older woman, she's 95 years old, said to me, you know, um, everybody wants me to go to Western medicine, but I just say, what is the doctor going to do? Give me a pill for old age. And so these women transformed me. Now, it's hard for me to actually put that into words because our orientation as women in the West is just so different. But they were shifting me. They were transforming me from the inside out. I would come back to the United States and try to explain this, and I really had no words for it. So I couldn't wait to get back to Kenya. (laughs) So um, now what has happened is each group that I've taken uh, on Women's Journey to Kenya, because I do that uh, uh, twice a year in July and in February, I take a small group of 12 women with me. And uh, as they come out of that, they always say the same thing. How am I going to explain this when I get home? How am I going to explain the pure joy and the laughing and the openness and the warmth to have other women from another culture? Now, this is different because of COVID. They can't do this right now. But when we get back to normal, how they embrace you and say and look in your eye, I love you. And they mean it. Wow. It just changes you. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but as I listen to you, I'm, yeah, I'm brought to tears, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm brought to tears. And and one thing I learned, uh, there's a lovely, lovely woman who's become my good friend. Her name is Atema Eclay. So if Tema's listening to this, I'm honoring you, my friend. 
Um, she has taught at Harvard. She travels all over the world doing international development consulting. She is from Kenya, and she is the one who said, in the African spirituality, a child is born into the world not a sinful, as a sinful being that needs to be cleansed through religious practices. A child is born as a holy being and is welcomed into the community. Yes, they are baptized later, just like, you know, because a lot of Kenyans are Christians. So they're born into the reality of the, what I would call the uh, traditional spirituality of Africa, come in as a holy child. And then later they do go through baptism in the church but you can see how this beautiful mixture of the indigenous and Christianity really work together well. Mm. Um, there is the process of, um, I've learned a lot about the dowry uh, and how it is not, a lot of women in the West think it's oppressive and that it's a bride price. And there is some of that in it. But I've learned a lot of the, the, the deep African spirituality of what the dowry means, which is um, it's honoring uh, the fact that a girl is going to be moving from the parents' home into uh, the husband's home, and that it's honoring both communities, both families. So uh, it's a very beautiful process whereby... Um, the Ken and we never hear this. So we, we only hear kind of the women's issues side of things, which I would totally get. And my friends who are working on women's rights in Kenya totally get. But the dowry, for example, is a process of two families getting to know one another over an extended period of time so that they can welcome the woman into their community. It's just not... Um, two people getting married and the families are forced together. It is a celebration of ritual, exchange of gifts, exchange of um, ceremony. And, um, and it's done honoring both the, the, to -be husband, the to be husband and the to be wife. And so it's just, it's been amazing for me to, to be inside the Kenyan culture as deeply as I've been. Now, I will tell you, even after 20 years, and my friends know this, you can only go so far because certain traditions are really intended to be kept within that particular ethnic group. And it's about preserving their dignity, preserving the precious traditions that they have, because if you really want to look back on it, uh, it was the colonists that came and grabbed Africa, made it their own. So you have to be honored. You have to honor the Africans for how much they will allow you in. So I'm honored that they have allowed me in as much as they have. And I think each trip and each conversation, they open up the door a little bit more to me. But it's taken two decades. Wow. Yeah. Mm, goodness me, Linda. I mean, you know, I, I want to acknowledge you for trusting yourself in, in, in the steps that you've taken to be able to 
um, lead us on this journey. I mean, I say we collectively because every woman that's gone, she's had a ripple effect on her on wherever she goes. And even as you're sharing this story now, you're, it's coming from that lived experience. But for you to be able to do that, I mean, hey, that's been decades and decades and de- decades of your life and trusting the path and, and what a big leap, you know, to, to really listen and to go, this is not for me, this life is no longer for me. You being a classical pianist and then embarking on this journey like we are all called to that at some point or another, but right. to take that leap in the way that you have and then to be able to speak and share from this experience now and to have touched so many lives in, in Kenya and for those right. who have opened up their hearts to you and other women is, you know, it's bridging, it's bridging so many gaps in so many different ways and touching us, even me, you know, it's obviously as we speak now because I'm really receiving what you're sharing with us, you know, the wisdom that they're imparting, the wisdom that you're imparting from your own experience in that, um, in that journey. I mean, and, you know, as I'm, as I'm reflecting on that, what comes up for me is what I want to ask you is now at this point, in our life, we're all going through different things and the pandemic yeah. is affecting us in different ways and you've lived through it second time round, particularly seeing it and witnessing it in Kenya. Right. What is it that we can take, what is it that you can share with us around, around that now, I guess, to empower okay. us a little bit, to inspire women? Yeah. Um, I would say... We're all sitting at a crossroads and each one of us gets to choose. There is no one answer for any of us, right? And here's what I choose. I think I I had this within me from when I was four or five years old, six years old, and I just started playing the piano. That I knew that there was a common source, I knew there was a go-to place that was beyond all of the chaos, arguments, disagreements, injustices that the world lives in, and that I want a life that taps into beauty and creativity. So wherever I am, I'm not saying I can hold this every moment of every day, but I try that that force is so much more powerful and it is accessible at any second of any day whenever we choose it. All right, now with everything going on, I remember a few weeks ago going, if I talk about COVID one more day or politics one more day, I am draining, I am draining my life force out of me. I do not want to. I ignore the world and where it is right now, but I decided uh, when I knew my trips, my I had worked so hard. Uh, you know, Forbes picked up on the trip, USA Today, National Geographic. I was flying high in February when I took my last group to Kenya, and I thought, I finally have arrived <laughs> before knowing that travel was going to be no more for a while. Yeah. And I realized, you know what, I've done this before and I will do it again. What is the next thing I need to do to stay creative, 
positive and not Pollyanna-ish, but powerful in their creativity. So I called my Kenyan friends. They told me the situation that was going on. And I said, I cannot tolerate knowing that the children I love in this particular valley are facing starvation because COVID has trapped certain villages and communities where they have no food growing, no food coming in, no income, they have nothing. Mm. And so what I had to do is take long walks, know that this assignment had been given to me and not panic, but stay lighthearted and creative. So I took plenty of walks, got good exercise, ate well, and each day did one thing to create this campaign for feeding a thousand people. Let me tell you, it was not easy. When you know that people are suffering and you are in a privileged position and you're leveraging your, 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 your power, you're leveraging your privilege for the benefit of the world, I, can't, I never had the clear answer on how fast to move, but I knew that if I didn't do this well and get it grounded in the most beautiful way I could and create this campaign so it really made sense, um, that it wasn't going to work. And I'm happy to say it has worked. I can tell you it has worked more than I ever imagined. So where I had a goal that I was supposed to reach in three months, it looks like we'll be reaching that goal in almost six weeks. Yay. Yay. (laughs) And I get lonely. I feel some days I'm in it alone and nobody cares. Some days I feel like everybody cares. It's the whole thing that we go through as women. And Susie, you and I talked about this. I think that as women, if we do not have a sound and solid practice of our own uh, that takes us back to a place where we feel loved and we feel like the beloved and that we are in some unchangeable, timeless realm that always has been and always will be, that will weather this time that we're in, we've got to tap into that somehow, some way to remember Um, I'm going to go back to this 93-year-old woman I know in the tea fields of Kenya. Her daughter and I are good friends. Her name is Esther Mbabu. And Esther wrote to me, Esther, I hope you're hearing this. And Esther wrote to me early on. We communicate on WhatsApp. And she said, you know what my mother said about this? About COVID. She said, we have weathered um, malaria We have gone through typhoid. We have gone through all of these diseases. We have gone through AIDS. We have weathered AIDS. We have weathered colonization. Um, You know, the, um, there was a, a, you know, Kenyan independence was, was hard fought against the British. They came out of that. And her mother said, and this too shall pass. This is a very hard message for all of us to remember because on any given day, like you, like anybody, uh, we're not sure we're going to make it. 
And I think that's what's so scary. I think that's what's so scary. Now, what I go, where I go is, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm 66 years old. I don't know if I'm going to get COVID. I don't know if a family member is going to get COVID. But while I'm here right now, I'm going to do everything I can to create something beautiful, something positive, and something that, um, to make this time meaningful. And so if my family and everyone in my family weathers this, we look back and we say, this is what we did with that time. Yeah, yeah. And what, a, what an empowering way to approach it. So thank you for that because that, that's, that's going to help realign anyone listening. That's going to help, you know, shift our focus on what is it that we can do in small, small ways and what is it that you want to do while, while this pandemic is going on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So That's right. I mean, Linda, I can go so many ways with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a crossroads, right? Oh, yeah. We're at a crossroads. <laughs> a beautiful crossroads and there is no wrong way. Um, I want to go back. Okay, so, you know, right now your focus and I guess in a way your purpose and way of connecting with the women of Kenya is through um, this GoFundMe project, you know, Feed Joy. Right. Um, I've watched the video so I understand why. Um, you've called it Feed Joy. Yeah. Um, so maybe if you want to share a little bit about that and how that's helping you stay connected to, to the women and if you have any other ways or ideas around how to continue staying connected to these women whilst the pandemic is on and the travels are restricted. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so... Um I've learned this from my Kenyan friends, and I hope every one of them is going to have a chance to listen to this. These are incredibly resilient women. Um, I think of my friend Mercy, who started an organization, and she had nothing. Uh, only her life savings that she invested in opening up one small shelter to uh, save a few kids during the, when, at the height of the AIDS pandemic. She and her husband came to the United States looking for backers, looking for people that would help. She too had no clue uh, in the last 20 years uh, because of saying yes to each next step in the midst of uh, overwhelm. And I would say cultural blindness of some of the people that she was working with where they stigmatized people with AIDS, like people are being stigmatized having COVID. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that this morning. It hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. um, that what I learned from her in particular is her life would go like this and like this, this and like this. Somehow that woman had a resilience a source inside, a place that she went, she would weather it. I'm not saying that there weren't certain days or months or even years where she was incredibly discouraged, but she kept going. It led to a landmark case for girls' rights. She um, 
It has a shelter, one of the only shelters in all of Kenya that rescues abused girls. And some Canadian human rights attorneys came in. They partnered with her. And together they took this to the high court in her county. And they won their case. And it became a prototype for girls' rights throughout Africa. Written up in all the international press. I have seen her life go round and around and around. And even after talking with her this morning, I realized if they can, then why can't I? Right? So when I came back from my trip in Kenya, from Kenya in February, and I knew my trip was canceled, I almost didn't even go into a woe is me. It was just, okay, weathering. I know how to do this. I've been doing this for decades. I've been following Mercy and how she does it in Kenya. It's like, okay, now life is, life is going down. And eventually I know it will go back up. But while it's going down and I don't know what to do and I'm feeling lost, I'm feeling panic, I'm feeling fear, I will go in. I will take care of that panic and fear by taking care of myself. And once I leveled off, when COVID, you know, those first few weeks were really crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once I leveled off, I started talking to another friend of mine in Kenya. And at that point, I knew in order to survive this time, I would have to have a focus where my creativity could land and really make a difference in the lives, concrete difference in the lives of the children, especially that I love. So about five years ago, I found a forgotten little school in the middle of nowhere in Kenya. Um, It was the school that my friend Lucy, who's now a legislator, had graduated from. She was the first girl to graduate from there. And she said to me, you know, that lunch program that you and I started where the kids were getting a school lunch every day in this remote valley. Uh, The schools are closed. The kids aren't getting the lunch. Uh, that was the only lunch for a lot of the children, and they are now facing starvation. The previous year's crops had failed. There was no labor that the parents could, even even manual labor that they could do. Uh, There's limitations, of course, in terms of resources in, in the country, and these children and these families have nothing. I said, what's going to happen? They will face starvation. About four days later, in the New York Times, Nicholas Kristoff and some other uh, journalists were beginning to also address it. Like, I heard it first on the ground in Kenya, and then I saw it written up in the New York Times. It was basically, it's not the virus that will kill uh, some people in the developing world. It will be the virus. It will be starvation. So at that point, uh, I decided to pull together all kinds of videos, all kinds of photos, found a videographer. Uh, People came in from all different places in my network and helped me learn how to frame the story, how to get the GoFundMe story put together. But basically, I wrote it. I did the video. I did the video. I pulled the whole thing together. It took me a while, right? Then comes the next fear, which we all face as women. I love this. Is anybody else going to love it? Mm. And here came the leading comment. And I want to say this out loud. 
There are so many needs here in our own country, in our own city, in my own county. Why would I go to Kenya and do this work? Why not serve here? Yeah. And this is what I would say to that, because that's where my heart lies. Yeah. Thank you. What more can you say? Yeah. If your heart lies with helping your children yeah. feel safe during COVID, that's what you need to do. If your heart lies with stabilizing your marriage during this, that's what you do. If your heart lies with creating the most beautiful pottery you can imagine, please do that. This is where my heart lies. I love these children. Okay, so we started this food lunch program uh, at the school maybe five years ago. The thought that these kids were going to suffer now, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. So that's why I launched the Feed Joy program. It's to take care of the families of the 250 children who were each getting a school lunch program that we started five years ago. So it spread from the children having now to go home. They don't have the school lunch. Their families don't have food. So we expanded it into um, all of the families and the people in the valley. Um, and that's how it was born. Um, you follow your heart. Mm, again, back to that. And back to it again. And, 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 you know, what's interesting, though, what you were saying at the beginning, you follow your heart, but to get close to your heart, sometimes everyday life really can get in the way. Sometimes fear can get in the way. It becomes like this obstacle in between us, the ego and the heart. What you did is you made sure that you put processes, things in place to get close to that, to hear it, to listen it, um, to ensure that your creativity can, get, can flow and guide you from there on. And, that's, and I that's think right. that's important. You know, that's really... Like, like I will say, Susie, today was a very crazy day. It was like everything was coming at me mm. like this. And it was all divergent things from like the news headlines to, you, you know how it goes. Every day it's like, whoa, I am spinning. Mm. And so I have a practice and I did it um, an hour before our call. I sat in my car in the driveway, in the pouring rain, watching the rain just hit my windshield, I closed my eyes and I just breathed. Yeah. All I did was breathe. Call it meditation, call it prayer, call it centering, whatever you want to call it. And I thought, I just need to get back to my core self. And if I don't get back to that, I am not good anything exactly so the idea that we have to save everything and everybody we give what we can and then take care of ourselves I mean we've got to do that balance mm. Mm. radically radically take care of ourselves like it's, it's it's now it's like it's like radical it has to be because if we're not doing that what, what, what use are we? I mean, I know that sounds horrible, but how can I, how can yeah. I do this? How can I do this with centered in my heart? How can I yeah. be centered in my heart to my kids and, and everything else, not just for me, but everyone else. So thank you for 
sharing that. And thank you for sharing so much already. Next part of my question was, um, do you have any vision at the moment? I mean, are you envisioning anything around, um, I don't know, you know, I, I know that you, you're connected with women of Kenya just in, individually, that you remain in contact with them, but something on a bigger kind of scale where you're connecting them with women in the West, because I know that um, when you spoke, when you mentioned, when you touched on that a little bit, that really spoke to me, spoke to my heart. Is anything kind of... It's really interesting you should ask this because um, a, a number of years ago I hosted a platform called the, um, uh, well, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was actually a platform where I would interview a woman from another part of the world because I have this vast international network of women that I know. Mm. And um, it was called the Global Room for Women. That's right, yeah. And um, I did that for a while. I interviewed women who were on the front lines calling in from Egypt at the time that Tahrir Square shut down. Amazing. During uh, the Arab Spring. Uh, so I have all of these connections, but again, I followed my heart and went back down and mm -hmm. stayed closer to Kenya because mm -hmm. that's where my really strong, powerful women's friendships are. However, this is what's surfacing now. I've been hosting a number of calls with the travelers who've traveled with me and the women they've met in Kenya. I cannot tell you how meaningful this has been. And it is leading me to that in another month or so, I want to start hosting, and it will be with the women of Kenya, uh, hosting just Zoom calls. Anybody can come in and they can hear the wisdom of these women. And that I think my Kenyan sisters also want to hear the wisdom of the women in the West. You know, there's so much like you are where you are. I am way over here near Chicago, and we're all influenced by our different cultures, but we've each got a piece of the answer. I was on a call the other day with some tour operators, women tour operators like me, and they were from all over the world. I just got on the advisory council for uh, Journey Woman, the, the, the large traveling community of women. Um, it's a fabulous community. And we were on a tour, on a call with other tour operators, and one of the women was from France. After I got off that call, I felt so much more optimistic because it was a, she had something that she could say from her culture. Another woman works in Bali. There was my connections in Kenya. And after a while, it was, the whole thing felt more whole and balanced. You know, our cultures are skewed in a certain way. The media skews it, whatever. Mm. If we all come together as women under the radar of government, under the radar of media, like you and I are doing right now, and we come together, we just start talking woman to woman. It's amazing what can happen when those uh, connections start sparking and ideas come and things start happening and uh, you're never going to hear this in the headlines in the news, right? Nope. Women are nope. gathering under the radar. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So I'm thinking of hosting a series of calls uh, to basically get those conversations going about what's going on in Kenya, how are the Kenyan women dealing with it, um, with COVID, uh, where are they discouraged? Where are we discouraged? Where are they encouraged? And so forth. I love it. Great. Amazing. Okay. Keep me posted um, to the degree that it's open um, to everyone. I think you did mention that it will be. Um, yeah. And if I can spread a message around that, let me know. Um, Linda, thank you. You know, I'm kind of like, taking all of this with me. Is there anything else that you want to share? Anything else that you want to leave us with? I would like to just say that um, if we are feeling uncertain, which we almost all are, you know, if we are feeling adrift, if we are feeling that there's absolutely no blueprint then ultimately we have a choice. We can either get very, very angry and there's, there is absolute room for protest. There's absolute room for uh, really working hard on social injustice. And there's absolute room for creating something all brand new that comes from within that has absolutely no blueprint that you can trust is needed in the world. And so the choice is we're all at this crossroads and we can be part of the solution. I know that sounds so like we've heard this a million times, but otherwise, what choice do we have? Um, and I just encourage every single one of you to know that you, even though it feels like you can't possibly create anything new in this, trust me when I tell you, you can. Susie, you're doing it. Um, you know, a food relief effort that is, uh, you know, going to reach thousands of people um, and provide them with life-giving food. Okay, food relief is not, is not new. For this village, for these people, this is life and death, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important. Yeah. <laughs> is it sustainable? Yeah. Is it, does it talk about long-term sustainability? We're also talking about that. But I guess the idea that I just want to say is don't, please, don't be so discouraged with how it looks like everything is, corru is corrupt, is falling apart around us then this is the exact moment for us to, to, to tap into that creativity through self-care, a really good cry once in a while, a scream at the, you know, just scream at the skies about insane some things are in the world. Yeah. And then keep going. That would be my advice. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm going to, yeah, I'm definitely going to take that on. And you know what I want to say, what I just want to add, because I just want to really, you know, put, package it and put a little nice bow on what you've said is what you said that even though we may not see that, how can anything new come out of this? I think that anything yeah. that we consciously give our attention to and intention, um, can be birthed into something to the degree that yes. we take the time to do that. So 
there's no other way otherwise. Otherwise, it's the news. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's our attention then is, is like you said, it diverges into everything else and then we're left with nothing and we feel exhausted. So what a beautiful way to leave us with um, that piece yeah. of wisdom. Invest time to really nourish and nurture that, whatever that may be, and to nourish and nurture yourself. Um, Linda, can we now, can you just tell us where we can find out more about the, uh, your project Feed Joy and about yes, the work please. that you've done? Mm. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. It is a GoFundMe project. Uh, I love GoFundMe. There, there's, there's an incredible way to, uh, you know, get the word out. Uh, so it's a GoFundMe project and the project is called Feed Joy. And Joy is a little girl that I met that basically inspired me years ago. And the whole story is there in the campaign, in the video. The website is www.gofundme.com forward slash feed joy. And the thing that's great is that it's a team of volunteers. We all know each other extremely well. Um, my husband is a retired banker. He's handling some of the finances here on the U.S. side. Uh, we have a team in Kenya. My friend, the legislator, Lucy Mukaria, mm. uh, yeah. is leading the charge with her small team. Even her daughter is doing uh, videography in the field when they do the food distribution. Amazing. We have Pastor Moses who is directing the whole food distribution. So anyway, we've got this team on the ground. So it's all volunteers, no overhead. And we wanted to keep it that way. So it's one of those really great projects where, um, you know, your, your donation goes directly to what you want it to go to. Mm. Amazing. Okay. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. So GoFundMe, the name of the project is Feed Joy. Yeah. Feed Joy. Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, So it will be accessible via that. I will also do a mention to my my tribe and do a little um, link to that. And um, I'm excited to contribute. now that we've spoken, um, I just wanted to t- um, piggyback off that just to give it yeah. that energy and intention. And yeah, so thank you, Linda. I'm really yeah. honoured to have had you today and thank you for the work that you've done and thank you for bringing us that wisdom and yeah, your life's journey and devoting that to thank you in the way that you have. Thank you. I, I, Susie, I want to just say, uh, you and I have known each other for a number of years. We met at a marketing class. Mm. And um, I want to just say, every time I've had a conversation with you, I leave feeling more visible. Mm. I leave feeling, um, it isn't even empowered. I leave feeling visible and more authentic. Yeah. And uh, your interviews, just who you are, uh, brings that out in probably everybody that you talk with. So I just, that is a huge gift right now. Thank you, Linda. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's my mission, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Do it well. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you for acknowledging that and for seeing that in me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love what I do. 
Yes, you do. Well, it shows. And you're a very calming presence. And I think we really need that um, from everybody right now. Um, we need to love each other. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Linda, it. I love you dearly. Yeah. Yes. I look forward to, yeah, I look forward to our journey. So, Susie, mm. thank you for the opportunity and um, wishing the best to everybody out there. I know there is a lot that we're dealing with, and I just hope that anything you heard today is just a spark of encouragement and hope. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And go make a difference um, in some way. You really will touch um, touch many lives in Kenya. So I encourage you to do that. Doesn't take much. Linda, thank you so much. Yes, exactly. Much love to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, my friend. All right. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on Empowered Conversations. Subscribe to the show now and then head over to my Facebook page, Susie Petrozzi, for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present, be powerful, and be on purpose. See you next time for Empowered Conversations.